This is the Non-Microwave Truth, a Time of Grace production. And this is a podcast just geared towards figuring out how, how fast do you think that you have to have it? Like Our culture is always telling us to microwave, to speed up the process. But we know with God's word and with God's principles, that's not something that we can do all the time. So we have to challenge our culture's truth and perspective, but we have to challenge it with God's word. I'm C.L. Whiteside, and if this is your first time joining us, I like to get each episode started off with what I call a first world problem question. And this is usually a hypothetical question that involves someone in the Bible or a teaching or principle displayed in the Bible. Our first world problem question today is this, Jesus If Jesus was an official, Jesus was a ref, how would he handle crazy coaches and fans as a ref? You've seen videos where people running out there fighting refs, yelling at them, cussing them out, all type of crazy stuff. Now, Jesus would be perfect. He wouldn't miss a call. But that don't mean fans ain't crazy. Like I always say, you cannot argue with crazy, but crazy will argue with you. A coach yelling at Jesus because he thinks he missed a call. And I just thought about if this did happen, Jesus is officiating and a whole bunch of coaches and fans rush up and run up on him. Would he pull to Luke chapter four, verse 30 and just slip through the crowd? And what I'm referring to is when Jesus got rejected in Nazareth and they thought they thought they were going to throw him off of a cliff. But he was like, nah, I'm slipping through this. Or would Jesus go ahead and wrestle with them? Would he go ahead and tussle with him? Let him know what's up? Because, you know, it says in Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 31. Jacob thought he could wrestle with God. Or I should say he wanted to wrestle with God because he wanted his blessing. And if you read Genesis chapter 32 and you read Jacob wrestling with God, all God really had to do was touch his hip. Ah, ah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Like. Would Jesus pull that and go ahead and wrestle and tussle with some people just to let them know? And then whenever he got sick and tired of them, just touch their hip, whole hip socket is out, touch the knee. Oh, my knee, my knee is giving out. My neck, my back, my neck and my back. You shouldn't have tried wrestling with Jesus. But I'm just reminding you, if you one of these crazy fans out here who get to yelling at the refs, we have a ref shortage. So you need to leave these people alone. They are pretty much doing community service. Leave them brothers and sisters alone. Let them be. But anyways, this is our first world problem question today. How do you think Jesus would handle crazy fans, crazy coaches as an official? Because you know he wouldn't miss a call. But just because he didn't miss a call didn't mean we wouldn't think he missed a call. Remember, I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is championlife23. And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. This is the last episode in our three-part series of The Prodigal. This one is titled Heavenly Father Love. Now, we've been looking at Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32, looking at the parable of the lost son. And I won't read the whole thing, but we're going to talk about parts of this. And we're really going to focus on the father in this story. But let's just recap it real quick. Starts off with the younger son asking to get his share of the estate. Now, with this request of give me my inheritance, what I kept reading or what I kept finding is that 
a lot of scholars, a lot of historians would say a traditional Middle Eastern father, they would have been very, very upset with that request. In fact, they probably would have driven the son out and they wouldn't have given him a dime. But the father that we're looking at today, he didn't do that. He went ahead and gave him his estate, gave him his inheritance early. Now, the son blows everything, hits rock bottom and then realizes, you know what? I should go home. I guess Pops wasn't that bad after all. And that's just crazy to me. Like the son was looking at pig's food like I should probably eat this. This looks so good to me. Like, ugh, just thinking about that make his stomach hurt. But what I couldn't help but notice is that the younger son, he actually had hope. He had hope that his father would forgive him. He knew this, so he, he went back. And then this made me think about in other religions, it's so much more complex because they don't know if their father or their God is going to forgive them when they just completely wild out disowned him disrespecting him pretty much said i wish you were dead wanted nothing to do with you they would be like you know what my god he he won't forgive me for that or in other religions they would be like man you gotta do so much good to get back in the graces of that god but then you'd be like well how much good do i do i don't know you better just keep doing good because you never know because this dude is an angry god like he you might do a whole bunch of good and he still might not let you in he still might not give you salvation it's like you got to dedicate your whole life to doing good stuff then. And you don't even know if it's going to be good enough. And this is why some people say, you know what? Forget God. Forget religion. But man, Christianity is so much different and unique. And I'm going to talk about that later. But just think about that. It's so much different. It's so unique compared to other religions. Now, just something to point out about the father. The father had to deal with rejection on top of losing honor. Now, think about us in the same position. We're thinking I'm going to get revenge because I'm angry. We would become so cold to the person that it wouldn't make any sense. We'd be like, the person who rejected us is now trying to come back and work for me. Ha! You got me messed up. Go back to that foreign country that you thought was so good and so much better than this house. You ain't welcome here. That's how a lot of us would be. But our God, our father is a God of love. So look at how he responds. And we got to look at how he responds on this episode of Prodigal Part 3, Heavenly Father Love. And this is the part where I'm just like, wow, he really is compassionate. He really is loving. It says in verse 20 of Luke chapter 15, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. How do we know that? He ran to his son. Didn't walk. Most of us would have acted like we ain't even see him. I know some of y'all see people that have done you wrong and you turn your backs like, mm -mm. they better not even look at me crazy. And if they do look at me or come up to me, it better be to apologize or to give me that money they owe me or to tell me that they were wrong and I was right. Otherwise, I don't want to hear it. In fact, I don't even see you. You, you, you are non-existent to me. That's how most of us are respond. Or am I just the only one who can be honest about that? But it says he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And this is what I'm talking about. This is so countercultural. It makes no sense to us or the common folk because it is so clear and so obvious that this son has abused and taken for granted the father. 
and taking for granted his love. So if somebody takes our love for granted, it's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, I can't do it. Most of us would be like, they better come to me begging on their hands and knees, and I st- still might not even want to see their face. But like I said, God is love, and the Father is representing God in this story. And when you think about this, the father came out to each son. He didn't just come out to the younger brother. He also came out to the other brother. He didn't wait and say, when you start acting right, then you can come in the house. When you want to act like you a Johnson, then you can come back. No, I'm not saying that the family name was Johnson. I'm just giving you an example of how we would talk today. But he didn't have the son repent first and then love him. The father loved and then the son repented. Like the order has to be pointed out because that's what makes Christianity so unique and so different. God loves us first. And then because of his love, we repent because we realize like, dang, I'm really messing up. I am. I really need a savior. Like I am all type of jacked up. And the father, the father loves the wild brother and he loves the hardened religious brother. But going back to the younger brother who was wilding out, lost everything, lost all his money, blew it all, mess around, looking at the pig's food, thinking it was good. The father reminded this son that he didn't have to do anything before he was forgiven because he threw a party before he did any type of work, before he did any type of repayment. And this is really showing that he was forgiven. You know, how many times do we say, you know, I forgive you. But then we sitting up there looking like, well, you got to get back in my good graces. You're going to have to do this and this and that and that. But that's not how the father worked at all. He gave him a celebration before he could repay him in any type of way. And that's that love. That's that crazy love that I'm talking about that our God has for each and every one of us. And the father in the parable of the lost son. Is just like our Heavenly Father. He loves us so much. But what's really becoming tough for us, especially in today's culture of you're a good person and what you think is right is up to you. We get this, we get this false mentality, false state of mind that we are good people. And we just don't realize like how bad we are, how unlovable we are. And how messed up and just awful we are when you compare it to not another person, but when you compare it to a perfect, never made a mistake, never sin type of God. Like our culture loves to compare us to the worst of the worst and be like, see, I'm not that bad. See, I can do it all by myself. But we honestly can't. And that's a lie of today's world. That is a microwave truth of you're not that bad you don't really need a savior but i'm telling you we go back and forth between being the wild young brother who was reckless and is obvious to that morally self-righteous we think we can earn our way controlling trying to control god type of person we go between those two but like i said with both brothers the father came out to each one of them so god will meet us at either place that we're at or struggling with at the time We will never find God first. He finds us. Some of us he finds in some unique and special ways. Some of us he finds us through baptism. Some of us he finds through through a friend or even through a crisis. But bottom line is he finds 
us all. And I just started thinking about like, every time someone comes to faith and they don't reject the gospel, are they in heaven throwing a party because of that? Are they slapping high fives like the Packers just scored a Hail Mary touchdown? It has to be a beautiful thing that's hard to put into words or try to paint a picture, but it just has to be a celebration. And not only did the father not make him earn his way back into the family, he makes it very clear that there was no evil that this son could have done. There's no evil that either one of his children could do that the father couldn't pardon. There wasn't a sin that could consume all of his grace. The father's love and acceptance is free. And in verse 22, he proves this when he said, when it says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Him is that wild boy who lost all of the money that he gave him or lost all of the estate. He said, put a robe on him. And he also said, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, when I thought about the best robe, a lot of biblical scholars are like, the father's best robe probably would be his robe. In today's world, all he was given would have to be equivalent to like a super expensive tuxedo. I don't know if people really do rings or anything. So that's, I guess that would have to be like a Rolex watch or a Breitling watch, something like that. And then like a pair of limited exclusive edition Jordans that have never been worn. But he let his son who wowed out wear him. It was like, most of us were like, you could have bought yourself one of these if you wouldn't have been blowing your money and messing, doing them drugs and popping them pills and messing with all them floozies. But the father doesn't do that. Now, on this third part of our series, Heavenly Father Love, we have to look at the older son's treatment. And this was the son who refused to come into the celebration for his younger brother. Now, I want you to think about this. If you were the parent and you were the one who actually earned everything that your family had, you were the one who was paying for everything. You were the one who it really was all on. Wouldn't you be looking at someone crazy if they told you who or who you shouldn't have at your party, who you shouldn't invite? Like they didn't pay for anything. And in fact, they work for you. Um, yeah, I don't think she should be invited. You aren't paying for anything. You you are a guest yourself. You lucky you invited like you got a lot of nerve. But that's not what the father does or what the father says. And just think about this. You have a super awesome celebration all set up the party is going down it's beautiful food is good drinks are there what if you had to go out and try to convince someone to come into a party that you're hosting you know how disrespectful and time consuming that is most of us most of us would be like go ahead and just stay out here i, I don't even care but that's not what the father does the father goes out and begs and pleads with the older son to come into the party he reminds the son how much he loves him as well and he reminds him of something that all of us take for granted when we talk about our loving gracious god and he says my son you are always with me and everything i have is yours like just listen to that you are always with me the presence of god as a Christian, we always have the presence of God. We always have the spirit of God that is there 
to cover us and bless us in a spiritual way. And, you know, every selfish act or pursuit of happiness apart from God or attempt to get into God's grace makes sense to someone. Like it made sense at the time for the younger brother to go and ask for all his estate, sell it and then go live it up. It made sense for the older brother to work, 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 and then think he had the right to tell the father what he deserved and talk about his dissatisfaction about his brother getting a party. I can't believe you're throwing a party for my brother. Huh? And I've been slaving the whole time for you. And you know what? I always wondered if the brother had got a goat like he said that he wanted or that he should have gotten at least and he was getting the big celebration, would he have been okay with that then? Answer, I don't know, but I guess no would be the answer. And when I say no, I think it would have been a temporary fix, but not a fix that would have lasted. It was just like the younger brother going and wilding out. That temporary fix didn't last. And before you know it, you need something else or you still have something missing. You still have something that you're yearning for or chasing, chasing something that can't be caught apart from God, apart from the father's love. And that's what the little brother in this parable figured out. We don't know if the older brother figured it out. But the question I have for you is, have you figured that out? Pastor Mike has a series that says, help me have more. And he had one that was titled, help me have more joy. And he talked about different types of joy and looking at God's blessings or gifts to us. That makes us happy. And he described that as good joy. The younger son had another type of joy he was chasing. And I think Pastor Mike described it as bad joy because he was wilding out, going against God's word, obviously. And once joy apart from God, that's probably why he went to a distant country. Both brothers at a time wanted what the father could give them. They wanted him to be like a genie. And just think about that. Why do we want most of the things that we want in today's world? We want it to make our life easier and to make our life more comfortable. We want it to please our flesh. But what the brothers did not want, they didn't want the father himself. Neither son loved the father for himself. Both wanted the wealth and the good life of this world and not the love of the father. And what we realize in this parable is that both groups are wrong, but both groups, regardless, were still loved and when the little brother went out and wild out and we see when the brother the older brother didn't want to come into the party that was the type of joy they were consumed with and constantly trying to chase you and me can become victims to one in this joy all the time if they were anything like you and me they probably have specific requests and gifts that they thought were best for them The older son seems to want the same gifts and celebration that the younger son got, which was a huge party. Now, comparison, comparison is the devil. They got this, but I didn't get that. God doesn't love me. That is a lie from the great deceiver. And there is a greater joy. Pastor Mike talked about this. You should go ahead and check out that series. And what he called that joy is he called it God joy. And that's being happy about God's presence not presence like under the tree presence but like his presence him being there god being with you in everything that you do god being in your heart have you ever met someone that's just like so dope or so cool 
where you don't even need to be at a fancy restaurant or an event with them. You don't have to be spending money. You can just be chilling and you can just enjoy their company, their conversation, their being there, their presence. Acts 2 verse 28 talks about that. You have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. And that's something that King David said, who had all the riches, all the fame. He realized like God's presence is greater than all that mess. Just think about this. this. I think this is easy for us to understand. When we think about little kids, the main thing they need are their parents' presence, not more presents like gifts. They don't need more stuff. The rules that the parents give them aren't to make their lives miserable, but to protect them because they love their children so much and they don't want anything bad to happen to them. So so think about this. Think about how much a perfect God loves you and me, and he actually shows it. And we all go back and forth between being like the younger wild brother and the older on our high horse, morally sound big brother. But regardless, God still loves us. It's, it's about falling in love with the non-microwave truth of God's word and not falling in love with the traps of this world. And if you didn't catch it, four points. One, the younger son, he recognized his sin. The older son, he did not. Recognizing how lost we are without the Lord's love, without the Lord's grace, without the Lord's mercy is the key to appreciating his unconditional, crazy love. Second point, if you didn't catch this. Microwave truths say God only shows his love through giving you stuff or whatever the world has deemed as success. Like whatever the world says is success, that's what we seem to want. But the non-microwave truth is, and this is our third point, God's presence and desire to be in a relationship with us is way more valuable than stuff and is what makes him unique, especially when you compare it to other religions. God gives us these opportunities through prayer and meditation, through communion, through baptism to build that relationship with us. He gives us hope. He fills us up with his love and his love is what changes our lives. Last point. It's a whole lot easier to be thankful for God's love when we know we need it and will be lost without it. It's a lot tougher when we think we've earned it. The fact of the matter is we were all once dead and now because of Christ's death and resurrection are alive again. What makes our God, our Father, so unique is his love. It's him running out and loving us when we are not easy to love. And I point out we are never easy to love like we think we are. It's the fact that we have a brother in Jesus who found us in our wild living and he equipped us to not have to live a life that will result in us longing for the spiritual or eternal food of pigs. Jesus knew the Father's love and he traded places for us so that we could know what real heavenly Father love is. And this is the non-microwave truth. And this series is in the books, The Prodigal Part 3, Heavenly Father Love. Thanks for joining me today. If you haven't checked out the episodes before this, the two parts before this, go ahead and do that. If you want to share this with a friend, you can do that on any platform that has a podcast. And I've been forgetting this is on YouTube, too, because I know sometimes that's easier to share. Just send them a YouTube link. You can definitely do that. And if you do like the podcast, you feel like it's been a blessing to you, please feel free to write a review because some people would only listen to this podcast because of the reviews that are written. So it actually does matter. 
And the whole goal is to get as many people as possible to hear God's word. All right. Peace, punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.